Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Well, hello, and welcome to Mother, Rewriting the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I am super excited to introduce you to my guest today, um, Ruth Minnick. Welcome, Ruth. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited super, to be here. Yeah, me too. And for many, many reasons. So first I'll share personally, you know, Ruth is someone um, that has played uh, important roles in my life, one of which was being one of the attendees at my doctoral seminar that kind of kicked off everything with rewriting the mother code um, and then has has had her own journey in that arena, which I'm hoping she shares, you know, aspects of that. And also in women's leadership training together, um, we've been in growth. We've been we have been in growth environments together and it's all uh I feel just very moved and touched. But in addition to my personal, and I'm sure it won't take long for you to discover why I love having Ruth in my life. But Ruth currently, just to give a little few particulars, is a psychotherapist, mother, and artist. She integrates creative approaches to design, healing pathways for children, adults, and families that she works with. She integrates mindfulness, body-based therapy, internal family systems, breathwork, play, CBT, among many other practices to promote healing. Um, Ruth has her own. Is it a? Is it your own business or is it a co-business with your husband? Sorry, co just yeah, co-ownership. Yeah. Co co-ownership co of a of a beautiful and thriving uh, therapy practice. But prior to all this, she was huge in the interior design world and a businesswoman. Um, you know, working for companies and as an entrepreneur. So. Uh, wildly like successful in so many so many arenas. Okay, so what I haven't mentioned, and one of the things we're going to talk about is she's also now an author, and she's authored two children's books: the Little Book of Big Feelings, and oh my gosh, Ruth, I just blanked. What what's our my second little, book? We're, my my little, little worry, my little worry. I was afraid to say it was. I was going to say something wrong. My little worry. So she's going to talk about those too, because these are, you know, yeah, they're for children, but really they're for all of us. So <laughs> we get to hear about that. So welcome, Ruth. And I'd, I'd love um, for you to just open up first off and just kind of share, you know, any aspect of your journey that I touched on and, you know, we'll kind of get going from there. But obviously you've mothered a lot in your life and you continue to, and, and uh, why don't you just start talking? Absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate that introduction. Yes, I, I got the pleasure of meeting you in my early 20s, my mid-20s, mm, wow. and had been doing a lot of amazing coaching work. And when you were in your doctorate, it was a pivotal point in my life where I had been um, just post-divorce in my 30s and kind of in this space of like, what is my life like? you know, what am I, what am I going toward? What am I leading toward? And, you know, how do I feel about being a mother? 
And I would say, you know, in my mid twenties is when I lost my own mother. Mm-hmm. And so I had a little bit of, of a sore spot around becoming a mother without a mother and a lot of ambivalence. And so mm-hmm. your doctoral work really helped me be in that question, mm-hmm. be with my own insecurity, ambivalence, and really a lot of pain around my life, not going the way I thought it would go. And yeah. You know, if I had decided to become a mother, I knew it would be later in life. And what would that be like? And could I be? And all these questions. And it was painful to be with. And ultimately, I did determine I wanted to be a mother and that I, and I got to learn how I mother everywhere I go as a woman. And I think those are some of the things that really have supported me to honor the ways I mother and the ways that I'm drawn to mother and become one of the most meaningful things in my life. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, you mentioned kind of pivotal points, you know, in your 20s, your mom passing and, you know, and and then, oh, my gosh, you know, now I'm in my 30s. Where am I headed? Where am I going? And did you I mean, you you are now married, you know, and, and you have, have a daughter. Do you want to share a little bit about, you know, that aspect of your journey and what, you know, because I know you did that very mindfully. And, you know, with a lot of consciousness, so it isn't just like, yeah, I found a guy and, you know, and had a baby. (laughs) There's a lot more to it than that. So I'd love to share. Yeah. Yeah, I think the whole dating process for me was learning because I I did marry the first guy I ever really loved. I married my high school sweetheart and we were, we had a, a good time together. We had our moment. It ultimately didn't work. And, you know, I'm at a point I wish him, I wish them well and you know, all those things, but I, I was very hurt and sore after that and didn't have a lot of understanding of what I wanted or who I was and who I wanted to be with another partner. And I think dating multiple people, learning to date, learning to ask hard questions, putting myself more authentically out there and um, really seeing who showed up at the end of it mm-hmm. after I was really me and I'm, I met a lot of great people and a lot of people that were not great. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think I had, I was curious and exploring and really putting it out there to see what, what, what is, what is it I want in a partner, you know? And when I found my husband, it really, it really struck me. Like there was such a significant difference. I knew what I wanted by then. I knew the hard questions I wanted to know. I knew, you know, like, oh, you've been married why'd you get divorced? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. what's, what's your part in it? Uh, what's your ownership? You know, like let's fail forward. <laughs> you know, let's look at this and, and know what we're getting into. And I found someone who really was a match who was really mm. willing to push me. Um, we pushed each other in our own growth work. He pushed me into couples therapy, like early on in dating. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and isn't it funny? Like, cause you were, it's not like you weren't doing growth work. It's not oh, like you weren't like working really hard on yourself, but you hadn't done that. And it was in a different, you know, arena or space. So I, I think that's, you know, something really important to name and um, is that it, we still have our spots where it's challenging, right. To keep growing or someone wants to like, you know, go at it from a different way. Oh, and I was hard too. I was hard to get to know. I was very, um, closed off. I was really, you know, working toward building trust. And I think that having someone to push me 
and be willing to kind of stand up to me and say, Hey, you say you're about personal development and growth work, like show up, show up at couples counseling. You know, I know we've only dating four months. Let's do it. (laughs) That's when you really knew you had met your match, right? Okay. He's the one. (laughs) I love it. Well, and I, and I, I think I, I don't know. I just guess I just want to underline because sometimes when, you know, you've been spending time working on yourself, you know, the, if it kind of feels like the field narrows in some ways, you know, like it's not just any guy out there. It's like, okay, how was that, you know, navigating? Cause I think sometimes I've worked with women who are like, nobody's, there's no one out there who's done, you know, and it's clearly there are, you know, people, but how did you navigate that? I had a, I had a rule, um, set by my coaches and support to Mm. really date widely Mm. and to date outside my comfort zone and to try, try everything. And Mm. I did, I tried, you know, dates with a lot of people and I gave a two date real rule. I was very generous, honestly, yeah, because I I gave them, you know, a chance to, to goof it off a little bit and then to see (laughs) what's really there. And I did actually meet a lot of great people because of that. I, I didn't necessarily go to, Oh, I'm so attracted to this person or, Oh, I love his job resume or he makes the right kind of money. And if I had done that, I wouldn't have met the great people I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, you know, like in, in meeting Steve, he was, you know, living with other adults, you know, so that was far, far away outside the city. Um, so he had roommates as an adult and that's kind of, can be a, like a, you know, like not sure. Yeah. Uh, he, and you know, he was a teacher like for some people that would be like, well, oh, they're not making enough or oh, they don't live on their own or, you know, like mm-hmm. immediately off the bucket. But here's an amazing human who's happens to be going to school for a third master's and he's in a different time in his life in transition. And anybody who's could give some insight and like really look at what's there, there's, there are many great people there that yeah. get looked because of certain write-offs. And I, and our that. judgments are our, yeah, our initial, I love that. So, you know, well, one, you had coaches that were telling you that, you know, or, you know, recommending and mm-hmm. that you listened, right. That's kind of one of the deals with coaching, right. We got to, yeah. we can, we have the choice to, you know, try out the things that are being presented to us or not. Yeah. And it sounds like this one, you know, benefited you hugely for sure. Well, as you were saying that, I was, I'm remembering things that I, uh, one particular thing that I know about you and I'm just going to, I don't know how it's relevant, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, Well, I'm thinking about you and your, your, your feminine journey, right? Like in feminine, meaning you're, you know, honoring of feminine values, you're, you know, acclimating, you know, more to that because uh, I know that's been a big part of your journey too. Cause I was all of a sudden I was remembering like Ruth has done Ironmans, you know, like, you know, I'm struck with, you know, how I, I know there have been ways that you've, you know, kind of lived in a masculine world, like achieving, you know, everything from physical. And I'll, I'll say again, you know, running an Ironman. Was it one or two? Um, I did one. I've done one, seven marathons. How many? <laughs> 17. Yeah. 17 marathons, you know, and, and Ironman and, um, you know, very go for it in, in your business. But what was that like for you to kind of start integrating even more? It's not like you weren't womanly also in, in ways, but what would you say about that? I would say my journey in womanhood has been from 
I think early on in my career, around the time that you met me, I was working for a design firm and I was a junior designer and very much saw myself as a junior and very kind of, I had the pieces of both like operating as a little girl, you know, like in the big world. And um, then also trying to be, for lack of a better word, my dad, you know, like trying to like, like hold both these pieces. Like, let me, let me perform. Let me get the number. Let me try and get myself perceived really well and, and chase these things. And also I feel really little. And, and I think there's a womaning of me. I don't know how else to say that of like really looking at different bases in my career where trying to fit in like a corporate sales environment and big global world and meeting with CFOs and that sort of thing. And like, okay, who am I in these spaces? Like I see the trend to have me be more masculine. I see like, that's kind of seems like what's supposed to make it here and working into uh, one growing myself up, like having a voice speaking out, but also developing the softness, a softer edge and the context of things. And that's the value. I, I, I do have a, a big gift in a lot of feminine aspects around seeing beauty in things, holding space, um, really connecting with others. And my career has kind of taken some interesting jumps. Like I was an interior designer, but I was sales driven, right? So there's mm-hmm. kind of like the, for lack of a better word, masculine, feminine balance, like pull to both sides. Yeah. Of, let me make the number. Let me get enough clients. Let me get the sale but let me create a beautiful space. Let me connect to these people. Let me make a home, you know? And then in the corporate environment in design, it was more like, let me get the big project. Let me meet the people. But ultimately through it all, like what I've found, and this is my feminine journey is the things I value the most are the relationship, yeah. are the, knowing the story, knowing their history, what makes up who they are, how they are. And finding myself in this like, sales-driven world, I didn't fit. And I really wanted to have more of what I really love, which is really what led me to becoming a therapist. Good. I was going to say, I, I think this will naturally lead into how you made your career move. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So why don't you talk about that? Well, I think it probably started in my design career. I was in vulnerable spaces. I was in people's homes. I was with people as they were navigating divorce and going out on their own after being married several years and grieving. I was with people as they were confronted by problems with hoarding and and letting go and and loss and people who were challenged with their money and finances and couples fighting. And I'm in the space and I'm creating the space and I needed a lot of extra help. That's what I, how I got into coaching and my master's in coaching mostly was like, I need some help here. I don't know how to talk to these people and like what do here, but I loved it so much. And I loved being in those conversations and supporting people as they were navigating these transitions. And, you know, I, I think I followed the next move and this is kind of like, you know, getting the higher pay, getting the bigger business in the masculine perspective and like getting that, letting that feed me in my career, but it didn't feel fulfilling. I'm going out meeting for these projects and there's the number behind me with, you know, my bosses, like get the number, get the sale. And I just want to talk to the people and know why they care. No, I get it. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. What's, what's, what's driving them? Why, why is this going on? You know, I'm, I'm meeting with people about business, but I want to know who are they in their lives? Who is their family? 
you know, why do they do what they do? How do they come to do what they do? Mm. And at some point I, I kind of hit that decision point of this isn't for me. I want to just do that. I just yeah. want to be with people and, and be part of the, their, the growth and journey and, and to be with them as they cry and figure out transitions and navigate depths of grief and loss and tragedy and mm. be able to hold, hold them from a therapeutic perspective. And that takes me into like the mothering that I've learned from you and to be a psychological parent, to really be able to mother and love everyone. Cause ultimately I do, I, I love people, I care. And someone sitting in front of me, I just get to care and love about, love them. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather, if that's the space that you're in, and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico, Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. That's beautiful, Ruth. Thank you. Um, I'm feeling loved sitting across, you know, the, the zoom with you right now and just you sharing your story. It's, it's really beautiful. And it's, 
it's evoking for me, like, yeah, like I get that. Like I made career moves similarly from a economic analyst, you know, to coach for the same reason. It's like, I like, I, I don't, you know, like, I guess I, you know, I can crunch numbers and do that and and create value in that way. But I really like being with the people, you know, and, and guiding them on their journey. As, and I think both of us can say this because we've seen how effective it is for ourselves. Right. Yeah. And I know, you know, we, it's not just a good idea. It's something we've, I know you've benefited from and I have immensely as well, like doing our own work. So then money spread us. And I also do know you have a very successful, even though new, uh, you and your husband, you know, your practice and business is, is booming from what I understand. So I think people are feeling very loved. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I feel like that's, well, I'll just back up and speak to the, the, mm-hmm. the journey and really feeling um, so appreciative for everyone who has supported me along the way and and helped yeah. me on my own personal journey and discovering who I was and being with me and, you know, really understanding grief and loss in my family and, you know, loss all around with different people passing and losing a child myself. And there's a lot of things that I've gone through and had some really amazing support. And I want to just keep giving that forward. Yeah. No, here, here. Well, we're bouncing around a little, but you just, I know this, but I I think it's really valuable uh, to, if you don't mind sharing, you know, so you found Steve after that, you know, very Mm -hmm. mindful and conscious journey that you went on with there. And then when the two of you got married, having children wasn't like a definite, right? Like, and, and that was its own journey. Do you mind sharing, you know, what that was? Yeah. You know, I think I had been married before and I had, while I was married for about six years, I hadn't tried, I hadn't not tried to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was not a necessarily intentionally trying, but I wasn't on, I wasn't on birth control when I was married before and I hadn't gotten pregnant. And so there was a little bit of fear that maybe I couldn't have children mm-hmm. and um, that it wouldn't happen. And I think letting myself want it felt too vulnerable. And, you know, I got married in my late (laughs) thirties and it's kind of like that level of like sitting with that vulnerability was hard for me, both of like, can I have children at this age? Can I have children at all? And I'm not sure what kind of mother I'll be a lot of things, you know, and, and what will that be like? And I, you know, my mom had a hard time with us and, Mm. And we lost my brother um, after my mom passed. And so like, there's just like a little bit of fear in like, what kind of parent will I be? Yeah. Deal with like losing a child ever. And could I be with this kind of life? Am I ready to sign up for this? So it was, uh, it was, it was deciding to let myself be vulnerable to it not happening and to try and to want it. And, and we did, and we had Evelyn and it was amazing. And she's now three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then we did try again and got pregnant again, which was amazing and found out at some point in the pregnancy that, you know, our child would have some sort of genetic challenge. We didn't know what, and that was a whole other process and mm-hmm. being with, as a mother, like, what will that be like? And how do we feel about that? And, you know, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, fears coming true to some degree and, but then thinking about it and being with it as a couple and working with our couples therapist, and we thought we were the perfect parents for that. We can handle that. It'll be amazing. Mm. We'll absolutely love this little being no matter what happens. And 
we had this amazing like space of like, we're ready, we're here, we're researching, we're preparing for you. And, um, you know, around 20 weeks in, we found out she didn't have a heart and, and we lost her. Yeah. It's been a really hard time to be with. Yeah. And then we lost Steve's mom, <laughs> like a couple months later. It was just like, uh, <laughs> so that word mother really is tender for me because I feel like I lose moms in my life and I lose, you know, in some mother, I feel like I've felt some loss. No, that's um, a big loss, especially. Uh, well, thank you, Ruth, for just even, you know, being so present and, uh, you know, with the of pain of, of that loss. And it, I just want to name it you know, losing a child anywhere during a pregnancy is yet another uh, arena that women are just supposed to be quiet about. We're just supposed to get over it. There isn't a huge space to, you know, mourn and grieve and, and have these feelings. So I love that you keep, you know, allowing it to be present for you and maybe always, you know, that you always will be. I know that, you know, the pain can lessen some, but it, that doesn't matter. It's, it was, it, that was a, and you know, what a gift that child gave to you, you know, and on the other side, I do believe that, you know, spiritually, psychically, like you mothered child brought so much wisdom to you and, you know, so much to you and Steve in its short little life. It did. It really, she really did. She really had an impact on us in just helping us be with, you know, different aspects of life and the parenting challenges that could be, you know, ahead and learning and accepting and being with that space and creating a room for her and our family and how we would need to grow to, to measure up yeah. her. And then to be with her and hold her as she was gone. Yeah. yeah. Hugely, hugely vulnerable and tender. And I, uh, I want to kind of keep that space and, but it's, it's leading me right to that, you know, you, you also conceived and gave birth to not one, but now two books, you know, yeah. in these arenas of mothering. And, you know, I think they happen for a reason and they're there for the gifts they are for you that then, you know, you get to share with the world. Can you, yeah. is it okay if we shift to that? Or is there anything else you want to say I about? It, I think it's loss? part of the process, you know, in, in the releasing and grieving, tuning into not only my daughter that we have and my little self and the clients that I'm with, I the first book I wrote for Evelyn, our three-year-old, and mm-hmm. it it kind of came out one day just flowing as a poem. And um, I started drawing pictures on it. And I actually wrote it on my mother's birthday. I was back to the more mothering and mother. Yeah. And it was in the wake of this grief that I've had all this creative energy and that I've been tuning into using that space to create something new, using the the ache in my womb to to birth something, literally. Mm-hmm. And this the first book was so fun. I wrote the poem, you know, in my phone. And then I had pull, pulled a bunch of computer paper out to write it down and draw some pictures and I left it on the counter. And Evelyn got a hold of all these little folded pages and started drawing all over them. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I went to sit down to start drawing the pictures and I'm like, actually, that's perfect. And I drew the pictures within the scratches and scribbles and things that she made and made it wow. my story. And it was so fun. She sat next to me one weekend because I literally wrote it in a weekend and we were deciding the pictures and coloring and it was so much fun. 
And so that was the first book and I taped it together and was reading it to her and she loved it. And then I read it to my staff and they loved it. And they all were like, Hey, you should publish this. You should put it out there. Um, and I, I took that invitation after reluctantly, (laughs) I needed a lot of push. Yeah. Well, I think I know, or I'd have my own reasons why I might be reluctant, but what was the reluctance? I don't know. I was shy. It was just like something I just wrote for, for us and, you know, put it out there just to explain emotions and to go on a journey with my daughter about Mm -hmm. what it is to be with the big feelings of a three-year-old and what's like, what is it like to be three and have all these emotions that I have no idea how to explain. And mommy and daddy don't quite get it either, even though we're therapists (laughs) and we've done our work, it's terrifying to be with and to explain it and to be with it, you know, but I think to my staff's point and my husband's point, you know, like it really is and can be a tool to explain the experience, both to the adults and the kids and, and what this is like and explain Mm -hmm. in a way that's understandable. Yeah. What, I mean, I saw reviews and stuff, but what have been some of the comments about it and what have you heard after like, were any of your big fears? Cause one of the feelings I'm sure is fear. Um, any of the, those that you're afraid of where they realized like, what are some of the feelings or beliefs, I guess, beliefs that you broke in doing this? That's a better way to put that question. Oh, that it wasn't good enough or like it wasn't appropriate or, you know, that it's like silly and people won't get it. Or my drawings are too this or that, or I don't even know, like poor belief, not enough, not okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who do you think you are? Yes. Good. And did any of those come true? Like were any of, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that great? It's one of the reasons, well, even when you go back to like, I didn't know if I'd be a good enough mother. I didn't know if I'd know what I was doing. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's important to discern those, but then you just step into it and, you know, we discover. And if I, you know, I sure I I may even get feedback, you know, there may be areas that I obviously can still learn and grow in this, but that's okay. And, and then how much you learn and just the, and how much you've learned and the breaking of those beliefs is, is just a huge part of it anyway. And now this gift out in the world, you know, that I know anybody who buys the book is, is definitely benefiting from. So then what led you to write the second book? The second book is really for me. And so I think I've been on a journey with these last three books. I'm actually on book number four. I'm literally working on, um, have been about sharing to some degree, my own journey. And so the second book is about anxiety and worry. And in my family, I was always, you know, and, and it happens maybe in most families, I was called the worry wart. You know, I was definitely an anxious little kid. I, I worried about things. I had fears about a lot of stuff and I didn't know how to explain it. And I thought maybe it was wrong or bad too, to have all these worries, but it definitely was big in my life. And I wanted to create a better story about it and create something that I could externalize for both my clients and for kids. And even for Evelyn, it's a little too, it's a little too old for Evelyn right now, yeah. but what is the age range for that you would say? The age range for this one I would say would probably be four and up, maybe five and up. And so at three, it's just it's just outside her. She still likes the book more yeah. than she likes monster, but yeah. she's but she's starting to learn it too and understand like she asks a lot of questions when we read it, which is good. But I wrote it around like those big anxiety worries, like how worry can get can get out of control sometimes. It can feel like a really big monster. Mm-hmm. And in the book, 
the character learns to love the monster, to befriend mm-hmm. the, to not let the monster control her, to be friends with the monster. And good friends don't control you. So there's learn, learning about friendship and what good boundaries are. And then also she learns to take her her worry along with her and to play with worry. Worry gets to be with her. And when worry's a little too out of control, he goes back in the pocket mm-hmm. and... <laughs> And she learns to face her fears and to be brave and still have worry. She's developing comfort being with anxiety. And, and then she teaches worry some tools as she's learning them, how to be able to take some breaths, to, to get comfort, to soothe, to be present, to notice things around her, to be looking at what's true and what's not true. So separating and like really looking as that worry is a part or like a little monster that can be externalized, that can be loved. Mm-hmm. but it isn't who she is and it isn't necessarily true. That's beautiful. I love that you're putting it in this language. And I know I kind of joked about it at the beginning, but I think this is kind of how we all need to learn it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of like really good books on anxiety and, you know, and studies and very adult, you know, written, but it, it really comes down to this. And these, you know, like you said, I was an anxious kid. I, I had worries. And that's what you're tapping into is that, you know, we got to tend to that little girl who right. had those in a way that she can understand or, you know, how as an adult, am I just otherwise supposed to do this? I think that's brilliant, you know, to, uh, I hope we market the book, you know, to, to children and adult <laughs> yeah, I as think, best as possible. I think that'll be my next wave of how to figure out how to do that. But I mean, as a therapist who sees mostly adults, I mean, I'm working with their inner children. And so yeah. this, this is very much for that space. And my biggest hope is that any adult that buys this potentially for their children is that they're able to take this for themselves. And that's maybe my sneaky therapist bite of trying to get to the, to the parents as well and, and have them learn to love their parts and love and self-soothe all of those pieces. I love that. Yeah. And I was, I was thinking like, we actually worked with it talking about your fears and worries of doing the book. Right. And then, <laughs> and the police and we, you know, you soothed yourself so and minimize. Yeah. And they, you know, if we let them get big and I know you've worked with, and I often have on on my mind, Jill Bolte-Taylor's work with the four characters and, you know, your worry monster is such like a great character to, you know, personification of character two. I know I'm referring to something that if you're just listening to this, but I have another podcast on Jill Bolte-Taylor in June, (laughs) but um, that, you know, but that, and I think you're pointing out something that's really important because I think we often think like we got to get rid of that worry or somehow we're going to you know, we're going to do something that, and we'll never have it again. And, but what you're talking about is befriending it and soothing it. And, you know, its voice is sometimes important. You know, it doesn't mean that it should be silenced. It's just the the microphone for too long or the volumes turned up too high. And, you know, we, we need to bring in other voices uh, so we can have, you know, a powwow and meeting about it. (laughs) Right. It's, it's like my little Evelyn, my little three-year-old, like the worry can get really loud mm-hmm. and really consistent. And sometimes it's, you know, for me to step in and say, okay, sweetie, let's, I hear you really want that. That's true. And are you really afraid of that? That's right. And we still need to do this. Let's sit and take a minute. Let's have a breath, you know, and, and let's yeah. suit. And I think, you know, in the clients that I work with, that's a lot of the work we do too, is we are looking at those parts and learning to love them, expand, expand the ability to hold them, to mother 
those parts of ourselves that really feel out of control or big or too much and to, to love them in. Well, and so that made me just think about, I want to underline everything that we're talking about here with what you're doing and then writing the book about it. And the first one was kind of for Evelyn, you know, your daughter, this whole process and what we're talking about is all about reparenting ourselves and how we can grow up with our children, you know, how we can, you know, nurture ourselves, heal old wounds, find, you know, more ways to take care of ourselves as we give our children. So it's like, Evelyn needs this book on feelings, right? Like it's, it's like, maybe I, maybe, you know, this process of putting it, you know, artistically and creatively and, you know, flowing from me, it was a healing for me too. Right. Oh, and, yeah. uh, um, you know, I'll speak like to just, that quick. it's not yeah. a book for Evelyn. I mean, it was, <laughs> Evelyn, but it was like, wow, these feelings are so big. <laughs> these feelings are so big as a mom. Wow. These feelings are so big. Good job. And I am afraid. This is so great. I'm afraid of these feelings yeah. <laughs> like to be like, certain emotions are, but also like, she's so strong-willed. It's scary. She's so feisty and okay. Level up mama. Let's mm-hmm. be with you. Let's talk about them. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I love that. And, uh, you know, and it's one of the myths, you know, that even back in the seminar, but you know, that I, that I put out there is like, we've somehow been programmed to believe like we shouldn't have our emotions with our children, you know, or that, that somehow, and you know, we'll make the distinction, which I know you know very well, but say there's responsible and irresponsible expression of our emotions, right? And, but responsibly expressed and authentically and, and, you know, not directed at the child is like the best thing for them, I think. And for everyone involved, right? That one, we're showing it's okay to have them. Yeah, mommy has emotions too, right? Uh, And we're not stifling them, but we're learning how to navigate them, how to, you know, have them. And yeah, in certain social settings, we might need to like quiet them for a little bit, but then we're going to have them later. You know, I mean, there's just so many more ways to navigate that than, you know, I think I know for me and many, many of us, like just emotions just weren't okay. So that I believed, well, then it's not going to be okay to have them as a mother because I, you know, that will scare them. Or I don't know, you have just, we had all yeah. sorts of mistaken beliefs about that. Well, even being really frustrated or really mad and afraid, you know, those moments where it feels like, well, my emotions just got really big, you know, while being with her really big emotions. And maybe that wasn't fully responsible, you know, and being able to mm-hmm. be with that. And like, as a mom, like that's where I, I, Oh, I crossed that space. And then to go back and say, you know, mommy, sorry, mommy got really angry. And that's why I yelled so harshly. And I got, mommy was scared. You know, I got afraid to like have those moments of being with that. That's all those places to stretch and grow and relearn and express as I'm learning to be with my big feelings as a mom. I know. Well, and I think what you point, what you're saying there with the, the redo or, you know, the acknowledgement is repair, you know, and that, that it's possible to re- repair when we've had a breach like that, you know, where it's like, okay, yeah, I, you know, she was getting more of the charge that wasn't about the thing I'm angry about that she did. It was like, you know, from something that happened earlier with Steve or, you know, at work. And she just happens, you know, to be right in my face right now. And she's exactly. And we can explain that. It's not about like, you know, feeling guilt. It's a way I think when moms like feel guilty about stuff like that, it's like, well, you know, you can acknowledge it, you know, share it and they get it. You know, they, they, they get that kind of honest communication. And I think sometimes we don't give our kids enough credit to how much, what they're capable of emotionally. It's really incredible. Like those moments are such a repair for my little girl. When I have 
when I have the breach and I've gone, you know, I've had a moment and I apologize to Evelyn and I explain, you know, what happened. And she comes back and she's like, it's okay, mommy. I love you. And she comes and hugs me. And it's like, right. my little girl's oh. like, okay, I can have big feelings and I can learn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Um, okay. Well, we've covered a lot of territory. <laughs> Is there anything about the books that we haven't covered that you'd like to say about them? Then I'm going to, we're going to find out how people can get a hold of you. And then I have one last question. Sure. Um, let's see. You know, I think the books, particularly the second book, especially there, there are a lot of tools in the process. Mm-hmm. And so they are meant to be as a guide and to be almost used as a workbook if wanted to go back to, I have a little section in the back to like name what you learned so far. So it is going to be talked about. And I, that's my hope with all of my books is to have that. I have a future book that's coming out. Yeah, I was going to say, are you ready to like name yeah. what the three and four are? And we could yeah, be anticipating. Uh, yeah. My partly cloudy day is the next one. And it's about depression. Light. I mean, it's about the blues, I will say, you know, to, yeah. and I, you know, in my opinion, having experienced it as a kid, kids have the blues, you know, they don't always know how to talk about it. It could be considered depression to some degree. And it's the same thing with, you know, with your worry parts that you can have really cloudy thinking that can really take you down. And it can be really hard as a kid navigating school and navigating these feelings without a way to explain it. So this book is meant to be read with a parent and to understand that it does go through the real journey of how Mm. it can get and explain it in a way that feels appropriate. And then it has a journey of getting lighter and the character goes through a point where they, they start to have a a decision. I don't want to be stuck like this anymore. I don't want this to be it. And working toward hope and using the decision and hope as the, the way through, and then to learning how to, again, take that part, that sad part and to be with it and to learn tools with it and know that it's a partly cloudy world sometime. And that's okay too. You know, there's tools for that. And, um, and there's, there's materials that I'm, you know, weaving in throughout the process to help have a state change, how to shake it out, you know? Great. Oh, beautiful. I love this. I love, I get to watch your face and whether this shows up in the videogram or not, like just how it comes to life for you and how much you're glowing and radiating as you share about this. It's really meaningful. Um, did you want to name what book number four is just to, or working title. Working, yeah, title. working title and trouble with the capital T. Mm. and it's externalizing the part of getting in trouble. Like it's like being able to that trouble part, the mischievous part. And this book is really, it's the parents and kids journey because it's a parenting journey in this book as well, where the kid is getting into a lot of like a lot of quote unquote trouble, but they're really just trying to getting independence and explore and try things, but maybe in a way that makes mommy and daddy scared. So mommy and daddy have a point where they talk to the little kid about how mommy and daddy are being pushed to grow too, you know, and that they understand that she really wants to grow and explore. And so they learn how to have trouble together as a family, but it's safe trouble. Good trouble. Nice. I love it. What a gift. I I love these. I, I love that these are going to be available. I want everyone to read them. <laughs> <laughs> and access these spaces for all of us. So thank you. Thank you for overcoming, you know, your fears, your mistaken beliefs to put these out in the world. Um, And you have quite a big family, quite a big growing family. I do. I know. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So how can people 
find you, you know, reach you to for any and all it, the, the book you in your practice or, you know, just want to touch base with you? Yeah. So our practice is called Living Well Psychotherapy. So that's livingwellpsychotherapy.com. Um, I have my own website also. You can find the books on my website, ruthminnick.com. And I'm also on Amazon. So if you wanted to go and see, my books are available on Kindle and in paperback. Book three will probably be hardcover for those that want a hardcover. So yeah, that's that's okay. where I am right now. And those are all, as always, yeah. you know, those links and everything to that will be in the show notes, but I like to hear them spoken out loud. All right. Last question that I'm going to ask you to be with, which is I ask all my guests um, at the end of the show, what does rewriting the mother code mean to you? I think it's a new way to look at motherhood. It's a new way to be with emerging motherhood and letting that unfold, letting that be a, a process. Um, it gives more freedom to explore. I feel like what I can speak to is more of my process with you and creating mm-hmm. this space to allow all of it to be there. All of the fears, all the, all the challenges, all these things to just exist in the space and let my vulnerability come through. It's a birthing process in and of itself. Thank you. I just, I love all these answers. I just, there's, and so beautiful. Well, it's always hard to wrap up because I keep going and especially with you, Ruth, but thank you so much. Thanks for bringing your full self. Thanks for what you're doing in the world. Thanks for being someone that, you know, really important and special in my life. Thank you for all the ways you've contributed to me, which is quite a bit in getting me to mother and and to be with my mothering and also for the honor to be on your show and appreciate you so much. Love you. Mm, You too. Okay, (laughs) bye-bye. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no. Subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.